that breakdown. You can find it on Roku. Get tricky with it. Yeah, beautiful. It really hits the spot, doesn't it? Welcome back, people. It's Todd Mitchell, Game Dev Breakdown, here to start a new week. What's in store for you this week? What are you working on this week, and how far do you hope to take it by Friday? By Thursday, by the next time you hear from me, what do you want to have done? It's time to think about it, right? I think we got a pretty interesting show, pretty interesting topic tonight. We've got a story that involves, I mean, this has it all. This has Google Stadia. This has an indignant creative director, angry streamers, Jason Schreier. We've really got it all in this one. So we are talking as you, again, you you all see the title. You know what this is about. A creative director by the name of Alex Hutchinson has been in the news. And we're going to talk about why. And the reason we're going to do this is because everyone has decided they've got this situation all figured out. In almost every opinion I've heard about this, there's something a little bit off, <laughs> and uh, you'll see why as we go through. I don't. I'm going into this, and we're a minute in now, and I really don't have any idea how long this show is going to go because I've got a lot of notes over what originated from two tweets. And as I dug into this, the story just gets deeper and deeper and more involved. So there's a lot of background. <laughs> And we're going to go through it, and I promise a couple of good takeaways at the end. So let's dig into it. The subject of this story is Alex Hutchinson, currently a creative director at a studio under the Google Stadia umbrella. He's been active in the game industry since the early 2000s. We're talking like 03, 04, something like that. He's worked with EA, Ubisoft, Stadia, uh, an independent studio, called Typhoon Studios, which is how he was acquired by Stadia back in, it was only like December. So he's had a chance to work on The Sims, Spore, Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and studios I'm not even listing here. He's done a lot. So he he really is an industry veteran in every sense of the word. So the first time many people heard the name Alex Hutchinson was because uh, he's a little bit of an opinionated chap And I think he enjoys stirring up just a bit of controversy. And uh, I think that's probably (laughs) I could speculate wildly here. But I think I think a lot of people who sort of climb the ladder a bit in the AAA space sort of look around at a certain point and go like, why don't I have more attention? And the best way to get that attention is to turn heads and cause controversy. So the first time Alex Hutchinson did that was in a. A uh, interview with, I guess he was talking to Computer and Video Games, the website slash publication slash whatever it is. It's it's defunct now. So I got this from a gamesindustry.biz article that quotes this other interview that is really no longer accessible. So I'm only able to verify this to a certain extent. But everyone agrees, everyone seems to agree on the same couple of quotes. And in this, one of these first big interviews he had, he went off on this tangent about Japanese developers and accusing games journalists of racism. Here's what he says. He says, I think there's a subtle racism in the business, especially on the journalist's side, where Japanese developers are forgiven for doing what they do. Not sure what they're doing. Quote, I think it's condescending to do this. 
And later he says, just think about how many Japanese games are released where their stories are literally gibberish. This is his quote, literally gibberish. There's no way you could write it with a straight face. And the journalists say, oh, it's brilliant. Now, I'm guessing that's a little bit of a tirade about probably Kotaku. I mean, there aren't that many uh, Asian culture sites that have made mainstream here in the West. But uh, his contention is that games journalists delight in whatever Japanese developers do. And I frankly have no idea what he's taking issue with. I think he brings up Bayonetta at some point. I don't know. I don't know. But that sure (laughs) that quote sure wasn't popular. That was the first time he turned heads. And I think at the like at the time, I didn't really even catch this. I didn't notice this happened. And if I saw it at some point, it apparently didn't leave any impression on me. So the rest of us went on living, promptly forgot his name again. And then we came across a weird thing after he jumped around studios a little bit. And he ended up with Ubisoft at a time when the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry series were both taking heat over a lack of playable female characters. If the, if the previous thing could be known as the Japanese developers incident, this one is probably called the women are too hard to animate incident. And the situation is that, okay, so he worked on a set. I think it was Assassin's Creed three and far cry four. And everyone's been linking to these two articles that mention Alex Hutchinson. One also mentions Alex Amancio which is confusing because you've got two Alex's apparently at Ubisoft and everyone links these articles and goes, Oh, Alex Hutchinson. That's the guy who said women are too hard to animate. I go, okay, that's, that doesn't sound good. And then some people in those same discussions are going, wait, wait, no, no, that was Alex Amancio who said women are too hard to animate. So the, I had to look for this, these two articles. The first one is Kotaku. It's titled Ubisoft in trouble over comments about female characters. And that article links to a Polygon article called Far Cry 4 Devs Were Inches Away from Women as Playable Characters. Now, in these articles, they both go over the fact that planned characters who are playable, who are female, ended up getting cut out of these games based on workload and time and, and, you know, the normal stuff. The same reasons anything gets cut out of anything, right? Alex being a creative director, I guess, at that time as well, he's one of the people who journalists and outlets would go to for quotes and interviews and stuff. And in both of these, because I read both of these at this point, he says stuff like, this was really depressing. We were really discouraged by this. We really wanted to make this happen. And we just couldn't do it. And so in the first article, I noticed... He never says women are too hard to animate. He says they had this workload that they couldn't get this done and introduce a fully playable new character. That's a lot different, right? That's a lot different than saying women are too hard to animate. So I go, okay, maybe further down this other Alex, this Alex Mancio says it. And now I'm, I'm digging through both articles and both people said the same thing. Like we had to cut these out because of time and we really wanted to do it and everything. And, and all the articles say is that oh, women are too hard to animate has been trending on Twitter and other industry veterans are saying they should have been able to do it. But nowhere could I find a direct quote from either of these guys that said women are too hard to animate. At this point, because we're about to talk about the latest thing in the Alex Hutchinson story, I'm trying to figure out, like, why is everyone mad at this guy? And they're all they're all sharing this quote that he didn't say. Some of them are quoting the Japanese developers thing. That was messed up. 
That was a crappy move on this guy's part. But this women are too hard to animate thing didn't seem to happen. One, one person tweeted like, well, after they said it in the articles, which they did not say it in the articles, after that, they were tweeting about it on Twitter. Well, I searched Twitter for this, and I couldn't find it there. And other people couldn't find it there, and they said, I don't see it on Twitter. Well, they probably deleted it. Well, hold on. When you delete something on Twitter, if you're a public-facing person, if you're a, a widely scrutinized person, as soon as you tweet something that's unpopular... People, what do people do, right? They do a few things. They'll quote tweet it, say something snarky and try to dunk on you. <laughs> and usually it'll work because mean people get snarked on and it's effective. Try it sometime. But they, they will get quote tweeted. There will be pe people who don't want to directly interact with you and they will screenshot your tweet and they will tweet that. And they'll say, you know, uh, women are too hard to animate, huh? You know, you're a douchebag or whatever, <laughs> whatever they're going to say. So there'll be a bunch of screenshots of it. And then finally, when these journalists hear about this, they will start writing articles like wildfire, but there aren't any articles that directly quote it. And in fact, I, I was able to find one re very recent article that said, oh, they were the ones who said blah, blah, blah. And they didn't link anything. They provided no evidence of this. And I'm pretty sure they just based it on what everyone was saying on Twitter. And that's super sloppy journalism. That's super ineffective journalism. And that's ridiculous. I have worked for some of the most progressive, modern thinking editors on the internet. People who are famous now for like social justice efforts and things like that. But they would absolutely not have put up with this when I was working for some of the bigger outlets. If I turned in something that said, oh, these are the same guys who said women are too hard to animate, they would say, you do need to provide a link to that or a screenshot or a tweet. Like, we can't just say that. I mean, that's that's the integrity move. You provide evidence for what you're saying. That's what journalism is. You gather information and you present it to people much the way I'm doing for you now. So the point is, no actual evidence seems to exist of this issue that I'm speaking of now. But it's important to the story because everyone's sort of introducing it into this ongoing discussion about, is this man good or bad? Okay, so by now you're going, what the hell did this guy do that we're, we're digging this far into it? And real quick, that, that last bit matters because female representation, all kinds of representation in games is important. And if you think that I'm somebody who doesn't believe that, get rid of that idea. When I, uh, when my buddy John was on the show and we were talking about like, we're going to try to do some dev projects of our own. One of the very first conversations we had, I remember this very fondly because I was very impressed by my friend when we had this discussion. He said, you know, before we get too far, I just, I wanted to make sure that like, when we come to this point, I, I want to make sure we have like a character creation system. I want to make sure all kinds of people can be represented in it. I don't want any little kid or any adult to sit down at this game that I do and find out that they can't make a character who they connect with. I was so impressed by that. I mean, that was him. And I, I fully agreed. I said, of course, dude, of course, that's fantastic. And I love that. And that's, of course, what we'll do. Representation in games is important because games are a way for people to connect with a story or, you know, a narrative or, or whatever it is. And it, it does need to be inclusive. Or what's the point? If you want to tell a carefully controlled thing that's only for you and nobody else, right? You know, put it in your journal and that'll be fine. Nobody will care. But if you're doing something for everyone, let everyone connect with it, I say. My reason for bringing this up is if we want representation in games, when a studio is talking about their efforts towards doing it, 
it's a fairly new thing. The es- the workload estimates behind something like this are going to be wrong for a while. People are going to misestimate over or under. They're not going to correctly size these work items. They're going to get it wrong. They're going to run out of time. And there shouldn't be a giant backlash toward these studios who are trying to do it. Because you know there are a lot of studios who are not. And a lot of publishers who are not pushing that issue. So the ones that are probably need our support and not our criticism, right? They certainly don't need our harassment over it for the next 5-10 years, or you're just going to stop hearing about it. The truth is, neither one of these was the most recent game from Ubisoft in either of these series, and I can't recall hearing about it since then. They had all this backlash, and to me it looks like we did stop hearing about it. They stopped talking about it. I don't think that's a coincidence. So, moving on. What has happened here in the modern day? There's a new story about Twitch streamers. Because Twitch has done a bunch of DMCA takedowns. If you're somehow not familiar with DMCA, because, I mean, some of you are creative folks who do not do streaming or content creation, DMCA is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. It is the law by which owners of, like, copyrighted music or art or whatever it is can get in touch with, like, YouTube or Twitch or when Mixer was still around, stuff like that. They can say, hey, somebody did a stream or a video or other content and they used my music and you have to take it down because that's the law. That law is the DMCA and there's usually a form to fill out or a person to email and you can get somebody's content pulled down because they used your thing. You have to be the owner of the rights. Uh, I've actually done this as a photographer. There was a time when I was taking more, uh, I was aspiring for like professional level photos. I enjoy photography. I don't talk about it much, but I had taken some photos of like hobby stuff that I do, like boxing and some of my gear that I use and things. And some douchebag came along and ripped off a bunch of my photos and put them in a YouTube video and started putting ads on it and earning money off that. I DMCA'd that ass. I wasn't sorry about it. I'm still not sorry about it. I would do it again today. It's very simple to talk to somebody and go, I really love this photo. I'd like to use it. Would you allow me to use it? I would have said no. Why do you get to profit off my stuff? But so this guy, without talking to me, just... I don't even remember how I found... Oh, this was a funny story, actually. I I had taken a photo of my wrapped hand. Like, I had a boxing wrap around my wrist and my hand. And I just... I caught a photo of that because it was a new wrap. I was impressed by it. I just learned how to wrap my hands right because I was starting boxing at a new gym. And uh, I put that up on Flickr. That's what it was. I put it on my Flickr account. I carefully set all rights reserved on the uh, on the copyright notice and never thought about it again. And like five, five, seven years later, I was starting at a new gym. I was nervous because they did a little bit of MMA stuff too. Like I knew they were going to do like kickboxing and Muay Thai. And so I was looking up to see if you wrapped your hands differently for these other sports. So <laughs> imagine this. I'm searching how to wrap your hands for MMA or something like that. And I find a video that comes up on YouTube and there's my hand. There's my hand in the video. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? So uh, I did a search and learned from myself, apparently, because they said that was the correct way, which I'm still not convinced it was. But uh, I was I was pissed. I was like, what's this? Because I sat through ads to watch my own damn content from this other asshole. I filled out a DMCA notice at YouTube that day and they pulled that crap down later that week. And I think they shut that account down. He had probably had a few notices already like, just don't steal stuff. That's all. The point is, a bunch of Twitch streamers 
are for the first time having their content pulled down because they've been using other people's music like Wildfire. I'm sorry, you can't put Kanye West in your Twitch stream. You can't. You just can't. And this this is not a new thing. All the Twitch streamers act like, what? You can't just pull my stuff. No, I didn't know. Okay, first of all, the rest of us, and probably you as well, everyone used to be doing this stuff on YouTube. And we all learned this on YouTube 10 15 years ago, the DMCA was written in like 1997 or 98, something like that. It's been around since the 90s. Obviously, it hasn't applied to content creation the way it does now until the uh, early 2000s or later. But this was a big thing on YouTube. It was not quiet news. We all heard about it. We all knew about it. And most of us have messed up and had to figure stuff out about what we can can't use. Like I had audio from a Call of Duty trailer DMCA'd one time. I wasn't even using ads on those videos and they were like, you still can't do that. Okay, I didn't know. I'll take it down. I don't care. Fine. But so Twitch streamers are kind of, I consider this a little bit disingenuous because I feel like they all pretty much have to know you can't do that. As a streamer myself, I talk to other streamers like my buddy Matt. He knows all about this stuff. He goes, on Mixer, no one's enforcing anything. They don't have a system in place yet. A lot of people use copyrighted music. They don't think anything of it. He said, on Twitch, they generally do know that, you know, most of the Twitch streamers I know do know that you can't do that and you should expect eventually this is going to come up. Well, it's come up. Someone's pushing Twitch. I saw the RIAA mentioned somewhere, the Recording Industry Artists of America or Association of Astronomers. I don't know what it stands for, but... um. I think they're leaning on Twitch and Twitch is in turn just dumping content because they don't want to get sued themselves for not enforcing this rule. It doesn't matter. You can't just do it because you are getting away with it. You can't use other people's music. Now, there are great places to get free music. YouTube, who's been at this for a long time, has a great royalty-free library. And in fact, the track that I just used under our buddy Matt, who left that funny voicemail, that came from the YouTube royalty-free library. I pulled it up. I searched for uh, tracks that did not need attribution because there's not a good way to do credit in a podcast unless you want to go, okay, that intro song was called Crispy Rice by Johnny Brown. It probably wasn't called that. I'm sorry. So there's no good way to credit. So I just use tracks that don't need attribution. And if somebody asks, I go find out what it was because I do want to give some credit where it's due. But there are ways to get music that you are able to do. When I do an open broadcaster stream uh, through Twitter or Twitch or YouTube, wherever I've done it, usually before I start that, some of you have seen this, I will put up a starting soon screen and I'll pull up that library on a different monitor where the audio is being fed through and I'll just pull up that library and play tracks individually until I'm ready to go. Like there are easy ways to get this done. So if you're if you do Twitch streaming, just don't use audio that doesn't belong to you. I understand there are outlier situations where somebody like did have permission and got DMCA'd anyway, but those are super, super rare. The vast majority, 99.5% of this is for sure people who are like, I wanted to put up a track by the White Stripes over my Borderlands 3 gameplay. Well, you can't. And if there are licensed songs in the game you're playing, that's also an issue. Now, not everybody knows that, but a real easy way is to go in to the options if you're playing a game and just turn the music off. If you know there's licensed stuff. I don't I don't really hear about any 
original soundtracks like orchestral arrangements made for the game. I don't think that gets DMCA'd ever anywhere. But if they put in, you know, like EA Sports games, very popular uh, strategy for them is like, here's Blue Side by Rooney. And it's while you're, you know, chipping on the ninth green in Tiger Woods. That that can still get you in trouble and that can still get your audio either muted or your video taken down. Short story is, I don't have a ton of sympathy over these takedowns because everyone's supposed to know better because it's 2020 and this is a rule that was written 25 years ago. So, which is older than a lot of the Twitch streamers who are getting their stuff pulled. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Alex Hutchinson the subject of our episode tonight, he weighs in and spins this in an entirely different direction. He says on Twitter, streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. That's weird. So he follows that up with, the real truth is, the streamers should be paying the developers and the publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. Okay, well you can imagine how Twitter responded to this. Basically, people fell into three camps. There were people who pointed out, this is absurd. This is completely wrong, and here's why. Or they just said, this is wrong, moved on. Second, there were people who pointed out, hey, wait a minute, this is Alex Hutchinson, and Alex Hutchinson equals bad. Now, the two things they pointed to were the Japanese developer incident, and then a bunch, a bunch, bunch of people who went, this is the guy who said women are too hard to animate, which was wrong. He hasn't said that. (laughs) The weird thing is, like, the ones who were in these threads and corrected people and went, oh, that wasn't him, they went, It was Alex Amancio who also worked at Ubisoft. He said it. Neither one of those guys said that. I'm still waiting. I put out an open call on Twitter. Anyone can provide evidence and prove me wrong that one of these guys ever said this. I cannot find a scrap of evidence. And I'm pretty sure it's just one of these things where one person said it because it was a super poor summary of what was initially actually said about the workload. Then everyone went, you can't say that. And so everyone shared it. And now it's been floating around for many years. And one of the only things Alex is responding to is when people say that and he's saying, "Uh, that's completely wrong. I didn't say that. Okay, so as a joke, I, I put in my notes. The third camp here is Jason Schreier, who emerged from the fortress of condescension to dunk on everyone. Treat us all like we're stupid and return to hibernation. Here are his tweets. His his first 
when Alex Hutchinson was like, I can't believe people are upset with me for saying the actual creators of the game content should be making some money. Jason responds, IDK, maybe you're getting flack because you're picking this particular battle in a world where C-suite executives make 30 million a year and devs don't get royalties. So they'd never see any of that money from streaming in the first place. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, in the literal sense, no, I'm sure no one is giving him flack for that specific reason, but like you can take Jason Schreier out of Kotaku, but you can't take Kotaku out of Jason Schreier. So (laughs) what I mean by that is like, he's taking an issue that's going on and he's shoehorning his own cause into it basically, (laughs) which is, I'm sorry, this is a very common strategy at Kotaku. It's like, uh, here's what's going on, but here's what could be going on. Here's what I feel. That's not journalism. I'm sorry. That's nonsense. So then independently, Jason tweets, the funniest thing about today's streaming drama is that everyone thinks Alex Hutchinson runs Google Stadia because his Twitter bio says creative director at Google Stadia. He's actually a creative director at a Montreal game studio that was purchased by Google last December. Okay, well, Jason Schreier, if you spent five goddamn minutes educating people instead of making fun of them all day long, maybe we'd fucking know. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm frustrated by this because he's supposed to be one of the most trusted, most respected voices in games journalism. And I feel like he just kind of walks around slam dunking on, in everyone's face, which is like, okay, we're not all spending 48 hours every 24 hours interviewing developers, studying studios. Furthermore, He does say creative director at Google Stadia in his bio and everyone goes, hey, listen to what this creative director at Google Stadia says. Most people had it exactly right. He does not work in the same building with most of the Stadia people, I don't think. But that studio is now under the Stadia umbrella. He is a creative director at at Google Stadia. So it's a weird flex, right? It's it's sort of a weird thing to bring up. And in fact... Alex Hutchinson kicked up so much dust with this that voices in management eventually had to respond. So a Google spokesperson eventually got in touch with uh, who? Uh, 9to5Google, a a website that does Google things, I guess. But this Google spokesperson, who it's weird that they remain unnamed, said, The recent tweets by Alex Hutchinson, creative director at the Montreal studio of Stadia Games and Entertainment. God damn, that's a long title. Do not reflect those of Stadia, YouTube, or Google. All right. Ryan Wyatt, who I believe is uh, something called something like Games Lead at YouTube, something like that. He says, we believe that publishers and creators have a wonderful symbiotic relationship that has allowed a thriving ecosystem to be created. One that has mutually benefited everyone. YouTube is focused on creating value for creators, publishers, and users. All ships rise when we work together. Oh, God, that's a long tweet. That feels like 500 characters long. Uh, That feels like I was quoting him for four minutes. Some people have a gift of just making things carry on forever. Uh, Finally, Alex Hutchinson has added all opinions my own in all caps to his bio on Twitter. So if you're worried he didn't get a wrist slap, (laughs) it seems to me he definitely did. And it seems like people at Stadia, YouTube and Google We're all quite upset by this, and I'm sure he got a talking to in the end. So here's the way this looks to me. Alex Hutchinson got attacked because 
Twitter uh, it has a very interesting memory for some things and not others. The Japanese developers thing set a lot of people off. Set me off. I think he's an a-hole for this. I, I'm not a fan. That's a ridiculous thing to say about any group of people. That's, that is absurd. Now, at the same time, I think it's important that we be accurate, honest, fair. To me, it looks like this women are too hard to animate thing was the exact opposite. He did not say that. And he said all the, he actually said a lot of the right things when he was interviewed about this feature getting cut. I'm guessing it didn't have a lot to do with him personally. He said, hey, it's really depressing. We all really wanted to get this done. Okay, well, you're mad they didn't get it done, but where's the support that they were doing the thing you wanted to, them to do? They were going to do the thing and then ran out of time or estimated it wrong because it's something that studios weren't actively doing. They don't know as much about what kind of time that takes compared to the normal, like, here's the one protagonist and here's how long it takes us to do that. It wasn't really that kind of thing. So whether you agree or not that they should have been able to do it, we can't put a quote in this guy's mouth or the other guy. Anyone who did not say that, we can't really go, he's a sexist. And that's what they're saying. They're saying, this guy's misogynistic. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. He doesn't seem like a nice guy. But he also doesn't seem like a guy who's already said this. I can't find that. I'm a researcher. I'm a journalist. And I can't find any evidence of this. Send it to me if you've got it. But don't send me the same articles from Kotaku and Polygon that everyone are posting and saying this is where he said it when it's absolutely not on the page. Please don't do that. But let's evaluate the actual claim that streamers are doing something wrong. He didn't say doing something wrong. He's saying doing something that publishers could shut down. Now, the idea that streamers didn't pay for the game is probably wrong. Some studios send a game directly to streamers, and in that situation... I think there's a pretty clear agreement and a pretty clear implication that you're, we're hoping you're going to stream this, so please go ahead. I would say that's pretty explicit permission. So either they didn't pay for it and they got it sent to them in hopes that they would stream, or they did, they did buy it like the rest of us, and they have the same end-user license agreement that we all, you know, that we all use when we play games. As you know, we don't own our software, we own... We buy licenses to use it. So what he's saying is he doesn't really put the words together very well because I don't think he thinks hard enough about anything first. But what he seems to be implying is that there should be a special license for streamers where they should be paying more to the studio and to the publisher to do this. Now, I feel like almost everyone knows that when streamers stream games, the studios sell more, make more money. So there's almost a better argument that the money should be going the other direction to the streamers. I just feel like that's not a good idea because it raises more ethical issues and a whole new set of problems. I think the current situation works really well in terms of what should be the case. What people are arguing is on the legal level, are they doing something that should be DMCA'd or do they have fair use for some reason? Uh, there was an article on Gizmodo that was extraordinarily harsh toward Alex Hutchinson. What that writer said was that he's wrong because the act of streaming introduces so many new elements. There's the way the person chooses to play it. There's the commentary. There's the actual event that's happening while the game is being played that it turns into, quote, transformative creation, 
which means it should qualify for fair use, which means the DMCA would not apply to it. That's a wild stretch from anyone who's not an attorney. And I think you would need a pretty specialized attorney to determine this. I don't know where this guy's coming from other than he clearly hates Alex Hutchinson. (laughs) Uh, Because like the, what is the headline on this article? Let me see. The headline is Google Stadia employee has a license to stupid and he's not afraid to use it. Has a license to stupid and he's not afraid to use it. That's by Rhett Jones on Gizmodo filed under copyright. Uh, so he, he carries on and on about this and talks about how streaming is, is under fair use. Now, if that's true, then it was completely malicious and way out of line when Campo Santo did this to PewDiePie so he couldn't play Firewatch. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but the situation was Firewatch was out. It was all anybody was talking about and PewDiePie wanted to play it on his stream. Now, PewDiePie, not a good person either. Very unpopular. Uh, I believe legitimately racist. He's certainly done things that can be construed that way online. Why did why did Siri turn on on my phone when I said the word racist? That's weird. So what Campo Santo did was they announced we are filing a DMCA takedown to get our game blocked from PewDiePie's stream. And they said, we will do that with any of our stuff that we see him play. Okay, well, that's... I'm not saying it's wrong to do selective enforcement of the DMCA. Like, if you made the content, you should be able to decide where the line is. But if anyone wants to argue that streaming itself is fair use, okay, well, then then Campo Santo misused this. But because Campo Santo is very popular and progressive and everything, journalists threw a freaking parade about this. You probably, you might remember that. Oh, good, good. Stick it to PewDiePie. He's a douchebag. Like, okay, fine. But is it is it right all the time or is it wrong all the time? It, it can't be right some of the time. That's not it. The other thing that introduces some doubt for this fair use argument, Nintendo has been actively doing exactly what Alex Hutchinson is talking about for years on YouTube. If you stream Nintendo games on YouTube... Nintendo either takes a portion of your revenue if you enroll in their special program, or if you don't, if you try to sneak under the radar, as soon as you earn payouts with uh, ad revenue, they will take 100% of it. There are articles about this. They have it hooked up with YouTube. They will sweep in and they will empty that account and they will take the money from those videos and walk and you will get nothing. And I think your options in that circumstance are accept that or get DMCA'd. So in effect, there is a version of exactly what he's saying already here around us, and it's been happening for over two years. Now, I'm not upholding Alex Hutchinson as this martyr who is being attacked for his beliefs. I think he's a bad person, and I think he's doing this strictly to piss off streamers because, I mean, this is this might be... A little bit of wild speculation here, but Alex Hutchinson probably never set out to work for Stadia. That was probably never his plan. I'd be surprised if deep down he felt any differently about it than the rest of us do, that it's floundering, it was ill-conceived, it was poorly executed, and it's probably going to be gone within the next couple of years. So I think he's bitter. I think he's angry at gamers who didn't adopt this. And I think he's lashing out at the people who could have made this successful and chose not to because they didn't like it. They didn't need it and they didn't care about it. And that's me too. I mean, Stadia has a free version now, and I still think it's a bad deal. I don't need it. What do I need it for? I don't. I think he's lashing out. I think he likes the controversy. He likes the attention. And I don't think he feels like he has enough of it from his game development stuff. 
Everyone recognizes things are going poorly at Stadia. He probably feels trapped. He probably wakes up angry every day. The truth is, everyone other than him recognizes that streaming is not going anywhere. I think he realizes it too. He just wanted some attention. There there are people in the game industry who are like this. Who's another one? Uh, Jonathan Blow, who created Braid and The Witness. That guy, total D-bag. He thrives, and it's weird, these guys look a little bit alike. He thrives on resurfacing on Twitter every year or two, completely taking a dump on every indie developer and just flying away like a seagull. You can see it on his account. He does it every every time he gets restless or every time he gets bored or we're, we stop talking about him because we don't actually care that much about what he does. Hey, look at me. You indies are useless. There hasn't been another good indie game since mine. <laughs> he said stuff like that. There, there are characters like this in the game industry and it doesn't have to be this way. It's really weird. So the big takeaway here, developers, creators, now is a great time to find your favorite tweet or your favorite article about this. Quote, tweet it, and remind streamers that you love them, that you support them, you want them to play your game, they have your permission to play their game. You need to include streamers in your social media presence. Absolutely. Make, make sure streamers know, and I mean small streamers, big streamers, Make sure they know that you recognize they are part of your formula. And if you don't believe they are, I'm here to tell you they are. They can make or break you. When your game launches, you need to make damn sure that it's on Twitch on as many channels as possible. For sure. The idea that they would pay you, don't hold your breath. They don't need you. They don't need your game. You are lucky if they choose to connect you with their audience in that way. And even if it's a small audience, those are our units shipped. You need to appreciate their audience. You need to appreciate them and make sure they know that you know. So uh, that is <laughs> so you are now up to speed on. And in fact, if you've listened to this and considered the the sort of background pieces I've, I've brought into play, you probably are more up to speed than most of the people discussing this just blindly going, yeah, I heard he said women are too hard to animate. What a jerk. It, come on. I, I believe in holding bad people accountable for their actions, but it's important that we don't heap extra crap on them or our argument is invalid. Our argument is useless, and when we have something real to say, that stuff tends to catch up with you and they go, you were the guy who kept saying that he said women are too hard to animate. Now I don't know if I can believe you. You know, maintain your integrity. Argue with integrity, discuss with integrity, and you'll be respected in your circle of influence. It's good for you. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love if you would subscribe on the platform of your choice. I don't care where. Drop a uh, rating or a review. Hit the follow button over on Spotify. And there are uh, very detailed show notes at CodeWritePlay.com, which is my website. And we also have a Discord server. Again, CodeWritePlay is what you search for there or find the link on the website. Several people have joined the uh, Discord server since I've started bringing it up again, so uh, feel free to join us. we got places to promote your work, find collaborators, talk about your streaming and your content. I get the streamers, man. I love it. I love when streamers come by and drop their notices. I'm going online, playing Rocket League. Awesome. I've got a special place for you to talk about that. You can follow us on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, again, no one likes Facebook, but we could make the best of it together. That would be fine. So anyway, Play is on Twitter. Game Dev Pod is the official Twitter for the uh, for the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, and I am on Twitter at Mechatodzilla1D2Ls. I love hearing from anybody. 
about anything you think about the show, that is fine by me. We'll talk about it. Send me articles, topics, questions. We can talk about That's why I got into this. I love talking to you all. And uh, if I don't hear from you first, I will catch you later this week. So uh, work hard, make me proud, and I will catch you later. You better leave that five-star